0: Alright, I'm literally just in a random bar in Woven Golf Club, so, you know, you could hear anything.
1: Nah. <laughs> n- not a club like Woven. Storming into your territory, George.
0: George yeah, set it. me up really well, like, yeah, you can use the short game area. Shut all morning for kids coaching. It's
1: shut. Do you really think that George actually asked someone?
0: No, no I didn't. I don't, I, I don't know why I trusted George, to be honest. He obviously a, it was just went, yeah,
1: it's fine, just go up. No, it was there Saturday up but
2: there was just no one to ask. So. The well, pro at Woburn it. doesn't work on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a, they do the summer camps, don't they? I did that once, and uh, I had, Ian
1: Poulter came and did a little chat. I don't suppose that was the day after the 2014 <laughs> Open, was it? Because I at the 2014 Open, yeah. I drove from Hoy Lake at God knows what time in the morning to Woburn to interview Ian Porter and my boss at the time wanted him to get in a bunker and do like snow angels in the sand <laughs> and I was like I'm not asking him to do that and I had like a it was a video thing so I had a producer with me and I said I, look, I'm I'm here to ask him questions I'm absolutely not asking Ian Porter to get in the sand and let someone who is very aware of his appearance and how he looks and I, my producer said to ian he's like um oh ian our boss was wondering if you would mind just getting in the sand and we'll just do some like a photo shoot of you doing like snow angel or sand angels and ian just went mate i don't care if it's espn you can fuck off
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i told you i told you you wouldn't do it I have invited Duncan McCarthy on, who is Ashley Buhai's. Is that how we say it? Buhai? Are we we happy with that pronunciation? I just know it's Ashley Simon, I guess. Her sports psychologist so he's going to pop on for 10 minutes at yeah, some brilliant. point well let's let's start at the the women's open because what a finish I mean I don't know about you guys but I never really like it when someone runs away with a tournament and, and you sort of think in our industry you kind of want that to happen because obviously we've got to write about it after it finishes and you sort of think well if if someone's four shots clear on the 17th you can start thinking about what you're going to say but when you have a tight finish or a playoff, you obviously have to wait for it to finish. But I, I turned on just before Buhai made that seven at the par four 15th. So sorry about that, Ashley. Yikes. That was that was pretty bad. But to show the determination she showed from there to I mean that the, the, the par at the next hole must have felt like an eagle. Unbelievable finish from her.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, in the end, it was for us, I think it was the perfect situation because, like you say, no one likes someone running away of it. But then equally, it would have been absolutely horrible if she hadn't won. Like she was the best player of the week. She deserved to win. She played brilliantly. If she did then ended up losing in a like four-hole sudden Death playoff, having tripled um one of our last holes it just would have been horrible so in the end we got the perfect finish because you got the winner we wanted but we got all the drama to go with it so it was like yeah it was it was a really good tournament
0: it's so bizarre isn't it though like people always say they watch tour golf to watch like the best golf, and people like complain if the golf's mediocre but then if someone's running away with it they hate it like what is wrong with people we don't even know what what we want
2: yeah and equally i saw people moaning about the playoff like it was amazing like I could have kept going from where I care. I was loving it. Back to the 18th again, back to the 18th again. And there were people moaning, like, oh, this is boring. They're playing the same hole. Like, can we just get a winner already? And I was like, if this isn't going to like get you excited about golf, what is? Seriously.
0: I do feel like it was a bit of a shame though that it basically came down to like who could thump a wood nearest Mm. the target and kind of not make bogey. Like, I understand why you would pick the 18th for the playoff, but I'm not sure it was the best hole in terms of like showing off all the best skills.
1: Well, that was my next Question because really that's what they were saying they were by by playing the the playoff on I mean I don't really like playing a playoff on the same hole over and over I think it gets quite boring quite quickly but obviously it's a spectacular finishing hole and obviously what they were saying is right who can make par and win this thing because let's face it it was it, it was never going to be a birdie on that hole even you know whoever you are
0: I mean it's weird isn't it because people were like oh well someone's going to lose it with a five whereas if it was a par five which it probably could have fairly easily been given the distance. People would have been like, "Oh, she's won it with a birdie." It's like so weird how the like notion of par change of people's opinion of good golf. That what was that whole like over four hundred yards and people have hit like yeah. a driver and a wood to the green. <laughs> Surely that should still be classed as good golf regardless if it's a par four or a par five.
1: Oh, it was tremendous golf. It was it was fantastic to watch. It was it was an enthralling playoff. I think is probably the best way to put it. It was like it felt like even though I don't think it should have been played on the. Same hole over and over again couldn't take my eyes off it it was just incredible exactly they didn't miss the fairway from the tee though I got to the point after two after two playoff holes I thought just let them drop in the middle of the fairway and just play it from there just play it from 200 in
2: <laughs> well in the end that was sort of the decider wasn't it when Inji put it in the in the bunker the tee shot on the fourth playoff hole and then that so that just sort of proved how crucial it was to hit that fairway on that hole because it was already basically an impossible hole even with them bombing one down the middle so it was like What it's actually going to come down to is probably someone missing the fairway and in the end it sort of did. But let's not take anything away from that that bunker shot from Buhai. Like everyone talked about obviously Fitzpatrick's epic, epic bunker shot in the US Open. Like, this is up there in terms of just everything's on the line and like. Everything and when you consider what had
1: gone on before as well with the yeah. triple
2: bogey and. I mean, Humber it was so. I mean, that playing. bunker shot with that, that island bunker on the right hand side of the green, which makes me squeamish looking at it. Like when people are behind <laughs> that bit in the middle, I'm just like, well, how, how do you even play this? And even uh, Chan made it look easy on the first playoff as well. Like both of them, it was just like it was exceptional. Like I couldn't believe it really. And let's not we forget. We need to
0: uh, go down there and do some bunker recreation shots. Absolutely see how close you lot can get from there (laughs) why us will they get it near the pin will they get it out of the bunker who knows
1: the um what you're saying
2: is we're the comedy value here
1: Brilliant. I, th- I think we should add as well that Inji Chun isn't some up and comer. She's a multiple major champion. She was going for the grand slam. I mean that just again that everything adds up to just how impressive this victory was for Buhai. And obviously we saw the footage of her husband Dave. I think he's called <laughs> in the background just with his pint in one hand and you know fisting the air with the other hand. It was just wonderful to watch. It really was.
2: Well, it was so good because I didn't realise that he's so he's Lee's caddy, isn't he? And she yeah. finished a few holes before Buhide finished and then they cut to him and he was basically like rushing to get everything done with obviously his players. So he could then get back out on the course and, and see as what I finished like it was just amazing like he was I think he you know we're obviously never going to know what that feeling is like but I think he was like the most relatable non-relatable man in that situation like, it was I think
0: brilliant. it was nice wasn't it though because I mean lots of people were saying he took a moment which I'm not sure I really agree with but how often on the PGA tour do we like see the wives or girlfriends or whatever coming on and like celebrating with a partner? And it's very rare. Like you see that side of it from the LPGA. I thought it was really nice.
1: I thought that was a yeah, I, I think that's just golf Twitter and their little echo chamber just being a bit grumpy. I saw, I saw a few tweets about that. And and if that's your opinion, fine. But hit, like for for, for what the, the the career that Buhai has had up until now to then win her first major championship, Ingie Chun did not care one bit. She was absolutely. she had a massive smile on her face. She did not care that Dave had run on the green to congratulate his wife before uh Inji Chun had had a chance to shake her hand. Like she didn't mind that at all. I I think that's, that's just golf Twitter being their usual grumpy self, I think. Um but you're absolutely bang on. It was it was a really lovely moment. What what do you guys think about the having the tea times pushed back like that for the American audience? I mean, we finished basically in darkness
0: why was it so late? it was stupid
1: well this is the thing like they're saying oh it's because the, it's they want As many Americans watching as possible, and I'm thinking, well, they're going to be if they want to watch, they're going to be watching anyway, whether it's at midday or at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm also thinking, hang on a second, we spend all year staying up until god knows what time to watch your bloody tournaments. So there's two tournaments a year where you have to do it for us. Like just get over it.
2: Yeah, it was it was annoying, and it ended up like obviously I was always going to watch it, but it ended up clashing because it was pushed back so late. It then ended up clashing with loads of other sport events that were on. It's like you know if you want to obviously have this showcase of the best women's golf why would you even try why would you even risk having it clash with other sporting events that are on a Sunday night and and it even overlapped with the, with the men's events so it just seemed a bit stupid to me although I did really like that it was like it was getting dark and they were there with the hand warmers and like <laughs> I don't know really there was it's it like it sort of added to it like Indy Chan in between every shot getting the hands warmed out like chucking them between her hands and darkness was coming in it was like I don't know it was pretty cool
0: they were lucky that that playoff finished on that on that hook on the
2: fourth yeah because otherwise yeah, they, they, we would have we, we would have
0: been hundred going hundred. back to dear yeah we wow.
2: well, because, wow. because when she lifted the trophy it was com- it was like complete darkness by that time like, there's a really good photo of her when she finally did get rewarded um the trophy and it's by that time it's like pitched back and i was thinking like if this had gone to a, a fifth sound effect hole, like we're in trouble here. Someone's gonna have to get
0: but the likes. Bearing in mind they literally have a four hole playoff for the men's open, surely they should have at least allowed like that amount of time, like pre darkness. Yeah. I just can't understand how you end up in a situation like that. Well,
1: I mean, I'm only, what, three and a half, four hour drive south of Edinburgh. And I was looking out my window and thinking, I can't play golf in this darkness. And they've got another at least one more playoff hole to play. They're on the team. I just it was absolutely I mean, I, the camera obviously plays tricks on you a little bit, but it was a lot darker than what the television was letting on. I've actually just looked at the um leaderboard on the women's open website and it says Ashley Buhai, ten under position tied first, currently in playoff. I mean I know it went on a long time, but that's a bit, <laughs> a bit hard. <laughs> Talking, talking talking about how funny was the engraver
2: when it cut to him in the in, oh, the, in his so little terrible. shed. And he just sat there with his arms crossed like please. please Face of like talk about working overtime. The guy the guy was fuming. Oh, it's amazing. Brilliant. Although one person who was who was who was very happy that the golf kept on going <laughs> on was Shibuno. Did you see her on, on the green? She was she just was brilliant buzzing. all week. Like not only does she have the best nickname in golf, Smiling Cinderella, how good is that, by the way? She's like, she's got the persona to go with it. Like even she was, she just missed out on the playoff herself and she was just like loving it. And there was, I think it was, was it the fifth, Buhai had a putt for birdie, like just missed. And she's, she's pictured on the side like, oh no, like, like frustrated that Buhai missed, like willing it to go in, like absolutely amazing. Um,
1: She was great character for the week. Before we carry on, we've got a very special guest about to join us, Duncan McCarthy. Here he is. Hello, Duncan. Can you hear me? We can hear you, mate. How are you?
3: Awesome. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good.
1: Yeah. I think the last time I saw you, you were working some magic on a five-a-side football pitch in Leeds, and now you're working your magic on <laughs> major champions. If you were watching Ashley's post-round victory speech on the 18th, you would have heard her say that she started working with Duncan in February. The quote was, if you told me then that I would be sitting here, I would never have believed you with the mental state I was in. Well, first of all, did you go to bed last night? You've been up celebrating or what have you been up to? <laughs> In was, 12 hours since it
3: finished. Yeah, I know. No, it was pretty boring. Um, I watched it. Uh, we kept the boys up, um, the youngsters. We watched it, put them to bed and then kind of just sat down, just, just sat on the sofa. I shed a fair few tears because it just means a lot to you working with people, trying to fulfil the potential. So, yeah, I had that and then um had a glass of whiskey <laughs> quite, quite um but yeah so I just sat there with the whiskey and then spoke to my dad um and then Ash rang a bit later after she'd kind of done all her sort of media stuff I guess and um she just rang on a video call just waving the trophy going look what we got look what we got and that was it and then I was like oh my god I'm knackered so I went to bed and then I was up early this morning I didn't really sleep but um,
1: yeah so, what did she say when she called you
3: she, she just said, bless her, she just said thank you, uh, thank you for everything and you know, um, it was just a bit of a blur and I just said, oh will bet Dave's buzzing and she said, yeah yeah, he's had a fair few sherbets by now, but so. well, we saw that on the telly <laughs> yeah. I kept seeing I was like, is that another pint, or is that the same pint, uh, by the sounds of it, I think it was a different one every time, but um, yeah, she was just made up and um, she changed her flight because uh, obviously, what had happened, what have you so, yeah, I'm just chuffed, I'm just chuffed For them too because they are genuinely two top top people so yeah awesome
1: just tell us a little bit about your relationship with Ashley like how you got started I was going to say the early days of your relationship but I suppose it still is the early days you've only been working with her for a handful of months just tell us about your relationship so far
3: I got introduced to her by her swing coach Doug Doug Wood um who also introduced me to one of my other players in America and um yeah I mean when we first started working together it was as a per I, I was talk about people as the performer and the person Um, and the person was just been struggling with quite a few things Um, so it was important to do some work on that um, and get her into a good place again and then after that really then we could look at the performing skills um, that are required in the performing arena and yeah we've done that but she's she's one of those who just she listens really really well and digests it and then puts it in play um and doesn't let anything get in the way of that. So it's um yeah, we've we've done some great work this year, but um she's a you know, you're only as good as the people you work with and, and she's a pleasure to work with, so. How do you go
1: about getting a player from that position to in the position where we were just talking a minute ago before you came on about how the, the, the grit and the determination to show from going from a, a triple bogey on the 15th to then uh, to be able to see out a four-hole playoff and actually overcome not only what had happened before, but to overcome a multiple major champion who was going for the for the Grand Slam. Just tell us how you get a player from from the state she described herself in in February to to, to where she is now.
3: Um, it's pretty simple, really. Get them to do everything opposite to what I advise and then they're normally all right. Uh, now, you know, you look at major champ, you look at any major championship. It's not easy. It's it's not easy to win. Um, you're always going to face a challenge, and and the thing about it's not a golfing thing. It's it's probably not a sport thing. It's a life thing. Is you don't know when your boat's going to get rocked. You don't know when something's that challenge is going to jump, and you have to be ready for whenever that might happen. Not that you're anticipating it. You're focused on what you do want to do. Um, but you have to be aware that when that comes, that's the moment that you shine. It's not when it's not shining when it's all going your way. That's pretty straightforward. But what what we do know is that when you get into the back nine holes of it, not just a major but a championship, and you get closer to the line, it's pretty obvious, and specifically to golf, that you you're obviously hitting good golf shots. So so technically you're in a good place. Physically you're in a good place for your body. So then for me closer you get down to the finish line it becomes a mental game and and it's not about controlling things that are going on with other players or leaderboards etc it's about controlling yourself and understanding that you can only control your actions and your reactions and your attitude And, and when that boat gets rocked like it did um with ash you know when she had a seven you know i was watching it unfold and i was still sat there going no no what's going on I'm like okay right just take your breath take your breath bring it back remind yourself of the stuff that we've done and and that was that was massive because the golf shot she got on 16 was phenomenal um it was an easy par uh, she gave herself a little bit of an outside chance of birdie but it was, it was an easy par and then what she did on 17 she missed a great birdie opportunity but again an easy par and the same on 18 so how she responded for me was absolutely critical, and and it's just in that moment not going with the emotion of the situation, but coming back to the logic of what we've worked on over and over. So.
1: Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you uh, how you were feeling uh, when she had that seven, but you've answered that. I mean, we I said before you came on that that par at 16 must have felt like an eagle. Uh, i mean, you must have been thinking, God, I wish I could just get on the phone to her right now.
3: Yeah, uh, a, a little bit. But then also, you know, the if, if competitor in me as well, I'm sat there going, this is going to be interesting, see how she responds, see how she does. And, and watching her on the camera, you know, um, it was interesting, like the commentators were sort of saying, oh, she, you know, she looks nervous. I'm thinking, no, 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 no." that face that she pulls when she kind of bites her bottom lip, she pulls that when she's focused. Um, I've see that, seen that a lot of times. Um, so knowing that she was actually taking control of herself through tiny little things like that, it was... It was always gonna be good um from then on because she was playing good golf. She hit a poor execution into the bunker. It happens in, in tournaments, especially majors. Um and she just caught caught the bunker shot a little bit thin. You're in the thick stuff. Yeah, all right. She might have rushed it a little bit, but if that's her one blip, then then that's what it is. Um but she she absolutely stood strong in the with an X shot, the rough out the um the wood out the rough um which showed me that you know what she's she's willing to stand up here she's she's got the strength inside and um yeah fair play to her
0: a lot of times in the media now people have this notion that like people either have the mindset to win or they don't and like it's just something you are born with what's your thought process on that because i feel like surely it's something that can be developed as a skill just as like any other golf skill can be developed
3: uh, absolutely hannah everything can be developed um every, every... <laughs> look at the things that we have as people their skills now some of them might come it might have come quite easy to us or quite naturally but ultimately that we get good at what we do regularly so let's just make sure that what we do regularly is helpful um and and someone like ash they they're learned um no doubt about it that the desire the motivation um that's something that's inbuilt that that desire to keep going on your journey um, even when things get ugly that's that's something for me that you can you can work on but it's it, it it's a bit of an individual thing that's just resides inside you but in terms of all the other skills around that um absolutely it can be learned it's only like you know taking somebody in and teaching them the golf swing you, you if somebody puts the time in they can they can get pretty decent and, and proficient uh, by putting the time in on the right things and it's the same with the mental game and you know, you look at any performance, especially in golf. You break it. I always break it down to three areas: you've got your physical performance, mental performance, and technical performance. And one or two of those could be struggling. But for me, you can always have a quality mental performance, um, and that's what we try and pride ourselves on. I try and pride myself on the players. Do
1: you think the mental game in golf has been overlooked somewhat over the last, however many years or decades?
3: Um, I, I think it's fashionable to work on your swing. Definitely, um, and I probably go back to the Faldo days. You know when he restructured his swing, and um, it, it's always a case when you watch golf. If they hit a bad shot, it's it's always referred to as oh, as a poor golf swing. It's like no, that could have been a lack of engagement. It could have been a poor, poor ma- course, a poor course management decision. Um, they could have been distracted. They might be in a bad place mentally. They might be injured uh, physically. Uh, but it always comes back to technical, and and because that's ultimately. What gives you the result of the shot, the hitting of the the hitting of the ball? But what happens before that is a great decision, uh, full engagement, full commitment, and great acceptance after the outcome, and um, those things go around the the technical element. But yeah, without the without any of those areas performing, you're going to struggle. But I think I think it's coming to um, the surface a little bit more, um, but also shows mental health. I think some people are starting to look within now for their answers rather than externally which unfortunately a lot of social media pushes that on us the external sort of gratification whereas i think a lot of people now are starting to look within and especially high performers they they know that when they stand on a range the difference between ball striking is very minimal but so the difference has to reside somewhere else and they're all in good shape on the range now pretty much um so the rest of it is for me is between there and I'm not saying that because that's my role um I'm just saying that that's,
1: that's- in terms of you, you, you spoke there about high performers what about uh for want of a better phrase low performers like George and I uh, <laughs> hacking around on a Wednesday afternoon or 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 Hannah um as an elite amateur what about our kind of level how can how can someone like us work on our mental game when it comes to golf
3: yeah, I, I, it, it's relative to all standards. And when you're a professional, you're doing it for a living. So you can go into, not that I like going to depth, because that can equate to a bit of uh, complication and what have you and making it un- move away from simplicity. But you've just got to be aware of how much time you can put into it. But for me, you, every golfer, like I said before, you've got physical, technical, mental performance well people will gladly go on the range or go up to the range and hit a basket balls working on the swing but you can do the same thing mentally as well you know for me how you enter your golf shots having consistency entering from the same place of presence rather than past where you're dwelling on um, the last missed three footer or um, trying to predict the future holes that are coming up and if I can finish like this so having that consistent consistency entering presence with with presence but and then making sure you pride yourself on, on quality decisions. Don't play the shot you think you can play. Play the shot you know you can play. Um, smart golf over safe golf. Um, I always say that safe golf's not going to win golf tournaments, but smart golf is. Um, so asking quality question, what's the smartest shot I can play here? Because you, you might think that you can flag it with a three wood from 240 yards, but the fact is you're on 15 and that. There's, a, there's a chance that's probably not going to come off. Um, so playing smart, playing within yourself, um, making sure that you follow every decision that you make with 100% commitment because indecisive golf swings tend to create a lot of results that you don't want more often than not. Um, and then full acceptance after every after every golf shot, accepting of the outcome. And that helps you um, basically strip the baggage from the past, or strip the baggage from, from the next shot. So there's, there's a lot that people can do at all standards. It's just... A swing coach would tell you the same. It's not the work that you do with the coach, it's the work you do in between. It's exactly the same with me. Um, you know, you can spend time with me, but ultimately it comes down to the time you've got in between the sessions and the um, what you want to do in that time.
1: One of your other clients is, of course, Marcus Armitage, who has gone through quite, uh, I think it's fair to say, quite a public battle with um, his mental health in the last few years. Just tell us a little bit about working with him. I mean, he got over the line, I want to say, last year for his first European Tour victory. Just tell us a little bit. I mean, He's obviously a huge fan favourite as well. We all love Marcus. So, and he's a world record holder now. So just tell us about uh, working with him a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, Marcus and I go back a long way. Uh, we go back to our county days when we both played for Yorkshire. And um, he was one of our first clients when I started in 2000, and, uh, at the end of 2008, and we've kind of been on and off. It's been this start stop relationship. It's, it's been the most emotional roller coaster ever with him. Um, but for, for me, now he's surrounded by really, really good people. He's got a great team of people around him who give him quality advice, um, genuinely do have his interests at heart. Uh, but, but also, he's just shown great consistency on a daily basis. Um, he, he wants to get better and he comes across as this kind of, oh, I'm just grateful to be here kind of person. But when you get inside Marcus, oh my word, the, the desire to, to achieve um, and there's some hefty goals in there that we're working towards. It's not, it's not a case of, oh, I'm just happy to be here There's a serious drive. His intelligence of the game is incredible. As good as I've ever seen in anybody. Um, so there's so he's doing things regularly on a daily basis um, very very well and you know he had a, he was ninth yesterday again and he's churning out these finishes now where he's getting comfortable in that environment well no he's not getting comfortable he is comfortable in that environment but it's about making sure that we don't get sloppy in our daily habits it's about making sure that what we're doing regularly is taking us towards further success because that win was last year and and like I said to him this is a brand new year we haven't won yet um you know we've got a challenge to win multiple times don't want to win just once this year because we've done that before let's see if we can win multiple um and that's what our daily actions are, are geared towards but yeah working with Marcus is um it's always interesting you never know what you're going to get some of the videos I've got I've got two or three videos already off him this morning just random stuff uh, which totally keeps you on your toes and he's, he's certainly a one-off in that respect
1: he's a wonderful character and Another one of your clients, of course, is Eric Van Rooyen, another person who has had success on tour uh, under you. One PJ Tour win, one European Tour win.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I met Eric again through Doug Wood, who's um, who's his swing coach as well as Ashley's. Um, and I was, it was the um, Open Championship at uh, St. George's last year. And it was a time where, as coaches, we still had to stay inside the ropes because of the COVID uh, bubble and restrictions. And I got speaking to Doug and we're walking around and he enjoyed what I had to say and, he yes, asked for my number and then a week after the Open, he, he rang me and said, look, I've got a player who's 139th in the FedEx, um, struggling. He's got three or four events left to keep his card. Um, I'd like you to do some work if that's all right, if you've got um, capacity. So anyway, I was at the ISPS, which is this week's event, um, last year, and we had six hours of FaceTime. He was at home and we, did, we talked about a few things and, and did some simple stuff to implement. And he went out the following week at Barracuda and flipping one. And I'm sat there thinking, "What? Well, great, but I hope you don't expect... This is easy. Yeah, I know, I'm thinking, oh, his expectations are going to be so high now. Um, but, yeah, so he went out, and obviously the rest is history that year. He finished 22nd in the FedEx, and it was wonderful. Um, this year, just physically, unfortunately, he's, he's had to deal with a couple of injuries, um, which have really set him back, and a couple of illnesses. Um, but, yeah, he's, again, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to work with such good people as well as good performers, and... Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting, but it's interesting. Mental health, you know, he's he's just taken a little bit of time off at the moment. He's back in South Africa to sort sort himself out physically, and we've moved away because there's no tournaments really for him um, for the foreseeable. Uh, we've just moved away from mental performance and, and gone into that mental health, making sure that um, he's he as a person is um, looking after his health mentally. Um, so he's doing daily things uh, for us, and we check in every week um so yeah yeah he's, a, he's he's a great person to work with as well Ta- very very talented and well.
1: very talented guitarist as well yeah yeah Don, don't before you go I'm, I'm obviously wary that we're taking up your time and you're probably Sorry. desperate to go and have a, a lie down um <laughs> just before before you go obviously want to give you the opportunity to just plug your your company and underpin sports
3: yeah i mean we set it up um gosh uh just before COVID hit really Um, and it was really on the back of sort of what I've been doing for the last, well, since 2008, however long that is, um, 12, 13 years, um, 13, 14 years, in fact. Um, so it's just, it's basically continuing to do what I do. There is a corporate side to it as well, um, which, where we have a corporate network, um, of individuals of businesses and what have you. And that's great. But ultimately my role on a daily basis hasn't changed. Um, it's, I've gone from working in all sports to just golf, um, I'm having sort of inquiries from other sports, which I'd love to do because I always enjoyed that, kept me on my toes. But um, golf's keeping me busy at the moment. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing's really changed there. Just keep turning up, giving the best version of myself, keep developing myself and see see what lays ahead.
1: You say about moving into other sports. Can you please go and sort
3: the Man United team out? Oh, don't get me started on that. Absolutely <laughs> raging. Absolutely. God, the lack of it. Don't get me started. Do It
2: <laughs> could be anything. another podcast
3: i I'd turn up there with a couple of rockets for them. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway. Duncan, Duncan, really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on at such short notice and uh, love to the family and good luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can add at least another major champion or two in the next couple of years.
3: <laughs> That'd be nice. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Duncan.
1: Take care. Speak yeah. yeah. soon. Very good. That was really interesting. Really interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot there, actually, that we can take away in our own games. Uh, there's certainly some... That, I mean, I was listening to him thinking... God, it's like you are. It's like you're personally attacking me. <laughs> I am take, <laughs> I need to take this on a Wednesday evening. I need to take this with me. Hannah, let's uh, let I just want to talk about prize funds at the Women's Open. The week started with the RNA announcing that there was going to be a record breaking purse, uh, seven point three million dollars with the winner taking home one point one, which is almost quarter of a million. Really quick maths in my head. Almost quarter of a million more than last year's winner. Anna Nordqvist. First of all, obviously incredible to see the huge a huge shout out to the RNA and AIG for making it happen. Um, obviously incredible to see the, the women playing for purses that they actually deserve to play for. You've written a lovely piece on nationalclubgolfwood.com about what it means not only for those at the top but also for those further down the pyramid there was a really nice line in it about how bigger prize funds at the top changes the perception of the value of the women's game which is priceless talk us through what you mean by that
0: i feel like there's quite a large background to this
1: <laughs> we, we've got so, all
0: <laughs> so i as well as doing this i volunteer with england golf quite a lot so i've worked with numerous development squads for like seven years now which is kind of mad given I'm still only in my mid-20s and I've worked with both men's and women's players so it's really interesting to see the difference in those players as they come into the system as young kids but the biggest thing for me that's been noticeably different is how their parents perceive the sport and a lot of times for boys there's so much more drive from their parents and almost from them just because they realize like this is such a solid like career option and there's so many things and avenues they can go down through golf like even if you don't necessarily make it as a tour pro you could be a club professional or you could be a club fitter or you could work in the media like there's lots of avenues that people see golf as a career for men when it comes to women there's definitely not that same attitude like I see so many girls and their parents turn up to like squad sessions bearing in mind like they're having thousands of thousands of pounds of money being invested in them and like England golf are basically saying like we think you have the talent to be worthy of investment in but their parents just don't believe it (laughs) and it's weird how much that affects like the girls drive and attitude for what they then think they can achieve and what they can think they can go on to do and I also think there's a tie in there to how many women you see in the media in golf and just general jobs in golf like even if I don't compete as a professional for a career can I work in golf later on and it's a big reason like why I wanted to do what I do because I can't remember of anyone when I was young playing golf who had a role like I do now so when people look at these bigger prize ones they they just think it's about like the golfers now being able to afford what they do or being able to earn the money that they deserve to do for their skill level but for me I think it's a lot more about showing the next generation of kids and parents that this is an actual career choice and you can be invested in this because there is a lot more ways this can go than it just being a hobby and not only is that aspirational for kids everywhere it Like completely changes that view of the sport and I think it's exciting to think of how many more players could end up challenging for tour sports and how good the strength and depth of the women's game could become just because you're unlocking such a bigger percentage of girls and women who will take that option seriously and like consider a like career in the sport
1: that's really interesting isn't it i mean as someone who is um a father to a daughter when who obviously as now she you know she's about to turn six so of course she's she's exploring what she likes she's really into dance she's she's performed in fr- front of hundreds and hundreds of people on stage and of course in my head as a parent I sort of go is there money in dancing I don't know I like I, just, I don't know the answer to that and I sort of think she obviously she loves picking up the golf clubs that I've got for her and she knocks them around she loves kicking a football round she loves um batting around with a, with a tennis racket and I'm just sort of looking at it going god please be really good at tennis that's where all the money is <laughs> it's but it's it shouldn't be. It, it absolutely, as you say, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Parents shouldn't be like, how many, how many women are we losing from the game at that age because their parents are looking at them and going, well, there's no money in golf,
0: so what's the point? And I think it's something people would never even think about as an obstacle. Like obviously people think of it as an obstacle to playing golf full time, but they don't think of it as how it can affect like people before that age. And like, I'm not a parent, so I can't experience it from the point of view that you do. But almost like all these kids that I've coached and mentored through these programs almost become like my kids know it. And I know them and their parents so well. And like seeing the different attitudes is like, it quite frankly shocked me. And at first I was like, surely not. But then like over the years, getting more and more squads and seeing it the same pattern repeated over and over is, is like remarkable, but in the wrong way, really. And I've seen people come into that program who are just like incredible golfers. Like you just think you you could almost win a major championship like tomorrow. But like even if they have those skills, like if there's not that unwavering like belief and like attitude from, like the whole team it just doesn't happen.
1: We, I mean you were talking there about when you first came into this or how about how you came about coming into this this role as as National Club Golfers equipment expert now I remember when you first I mean I remember first of all obviously we we knew you a little bit before you started because you you worked with with people we knew and we obviously had this discussion when we were uh, working out who we were going to hire and you know, we, we obviously knew that hiring we, Well, first of all, we obviously knew that you're an exceptional golfer and uh, an incredibly nice person. And, you, you know, your golf equipment inside out, which were all stacked those on top of each other. But we knew we were making a statement in hiring a woman in that role. Like We knew what we, we knew we were doing that. I mean, that obviously wasn't the reason we hired you. But for the reasons I've just laid out. But we knew that was a statement. And when you first started in the role, you, you had a couple of obstacles with, with other people in the industry. I mean, we don't have to name names and things, but there's always there's always one bit that sticks out in my brain where someone rang you up and, about some new irons from a certain oh, brand. And no, said to it me, was a
0: driver. No, so, oh, yeah, driver. It was a, a low-spinning driver, right? And I got this phone call. I'm I've only been working there like two or three weeks. Oh, God, the PR guy would just like eat his hat now if he thought about what he said to me. He's like... We've got this new driver coming out. Um, we're not sure if you're going to be able to hit it. So, do you want me to send it to Dan or Tom instead? <laughs>
1: I think we should. I, obviously, I think
0: that'll be all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that always sticks out with me. It's very funny. I mean, I think we should probably point out now that you and said PR guy are, are, are tight, and obviously, like you said, he would massively cringe now thinking about it. And obviously, we're we're, we're all good friends, so it's fine. But yeah, a remarkable time, and yeah, so it's a really lovely piece. I would highly recommend you head over to nationalclubgolfer.com and read that. Right, let's move away from the women's open very briefly just to finish up and discuss the well for, let, let's start on the DP World Tour the Kazoo Open Kazoo but just sponsoring everything I mean this everything. Company, I'm sure this company only was founded about 2 years ago and suddenly they're sponsoring everything in, in every single sport but uh, a wonderful win for Callum Shinkwin at uh, Celtic Manor and an incredibly emotional interview at the end uh, and that's just I mean I don't want to talk about that other tour today we're not getting onto that because they didn't sponsor us but you, you that kind of emotion in that interview is just i mean duncan talked about it a little bit didn't he uh, the emotion of ashley's interview the emotion of of callum's interview that's that's what this sport is all about isn't
2: it yeah definitely and i mean we saw it as well uh on the pga as well players you know getting into the fedex um and just you know how much it means to these players and you just can't really buy that can you um you know it's it's raw emotion in well, the PGA just shows that. Oh yeah, it just showed. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying to these players, you know, you're watching it and you're really like, wow, and and the hard work that goes in. Um, Yeah, it was incredible. I was really pleased for Callum. Um, It was a great performance in the end. And over on the PJ tour, we had the
1: second youngest winner of all time. We
2: did twenty. I was going to ask what what were you doing at twenty years old? To be honest, but um, incredible. Second youngest winner since the Second World War um behind yours truly mr jordan spieth um and insane I, I don't think you know what yours truly means has that been you well that's been yours. you yeah, are that not would me, that would be me i am Jordan <laughs> spieth. I meant yours as in you your best friend jordan he is spieth. he is my truly yeah sure he is yeah um but yeah juhang kim or as they call him tom after thomas tank engine which is <laughs> yeah well, how, did I how did that come incredible. about i love that incredible so uh, as a, as a young lad, Kim was obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine. Apparently, absolutely loved it. Favorite show going. So all his friends started calling him Tom and Thomas, and it's just gone on from there really. And brilliantly, I don't know if you saw when he played in the the U.S. Open um, this year at Brookline. They they it was like it's like the old school um, locker room there, isn't it? And it's like really like everyone's quite close together. So all the names are like really close together, and someone had printed out a photo of Tom's tank engine and put Kim's face on top of it and put it on (laughs) and he's just gone from there really but yeah he's he's he is a rising star like he had a quadruple bogey on the first on the first day on the first hole and he still won by five shots like we just spoke to Duncan obviously about mental strength if I had a quadruple bogey on my first hole the toys are out of the pram and then some you know what I mean the guy just keeps his cool okay I've got 71 more holes and wins by five like same performance. He's now good his FedEx top spot as well. Um, and he's a he's a real, real rising star. And I mean, it was great to see as well. I mean, somebody sort of jokingly tweeted, like, oh, look at the leaderboard, it it looks like the Asian tour because there was so many Asian nationalities in that leaderboard. And we talk about um, you know, why is there seem to be so many good South Korean Asian women's golfers. Um, and equally, we're now seeing it in the men's game. So you know, it just shows how much of an international sport this is. Um, and it's just you nationality know, now doing well. It's great to see this diversity, and it's it's great to see so many different names um,
1: competing and, and and up there in the leaderboard. That's one country where the women took the lead, wasn't it? South Korea, absolutely phenomenal country for golf. Incredible, yeah, incredible. So yeah, all round. Great weekend of golf. I just can't get enough of the golf at
2: the minute. Like, it's just every tournament is delivering. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I don't know if you saw as well. I, I, I do think that you've mentioned, because it's hilarious, Paul Dunn at the zoo, going shirtless. Absolutely no shirtless. Like, I don't know if you've seen it. He, on one of the holes, he just missed the green and his ball was sort of, you know, and it's like it's it's in the water but it's on top and it is playable so you know usually it's okay let's get the shoes off let's roll the socks up let's get in and, and take a hack at this no Paul Dunn clearly having hit the gym like a madman for the last yeah, I was going to say showing
1: off those flexes was he like, I, was like
2: I need to how, takes his shirt off most unnecessary thing I've ever seen like he half-heartedly rolled his trousers up but the shirt came off and in the end a really shot but uh, yeah that was another highlight of the weekend so as I said,
1: the goals delivered. What more can you want? A few hundred miles north, we had the girls with their hand warmers
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> Paul
1: Dunn's just getting his top off. It's obviously a lot nicer yeah. in South Wales. All right, guys, that was uh, that was really interesting. I really enjoyed having Duncan on um, and Hannah that uh, talk discussing the the prize funds and what it means uh, at all levels of the game it was really interesting. George, thank you as always for filling us in on what happened. <laughs> For those, yeah, be... who, for those of us who can't sit in front of the TV for the reasons I laid out uh, and watch uh, watched golf all weekend, um, it's always appreciated. So thank you for that, guys. Uh, listeners, if you're still here, go and follow us on social media. You can just search for National Club Golfer in whichever platform you prefer and you'll find all of us wittering on nonsense about golf.